0: Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment.
1: This is Dustin Tarr,
0: and you're listening to the MGB Podcast. All right, welcome back to the MGB Wrestling Podcast. Whew, oh, it's been a long time since we've released an episode. This is actually going to follow on from the uh, baseball podcast as well, but we're going to talk a little bit of wrestling. Um, I got Dustin Tarback with me, and we've got his brother Chris here as well. Um, gentlemen, first of all, thank you for joining me. That was uh, that was kind of stressful at the start though. We took about 30 minutes to get everything fixed, but I think we're doing it. I think we've got everything working now, touch wood. Um, how are you guys doing?
2: Doing great, doing great, living awesome. life.
0: One of Mason's questions was, it was like, what's it like wrestling with your brother? And I know we heard your side of that story, but I want to hear the other side. So, Chris, go ahead. <laughs> tell us what ha- I think the original question was, is it easier or more difficult to wrestle with family or something along those lines?
2: I think it's a lot easier. I mean, anytime we've been in the ring together, whether we're a tag team or whether we're against each other the chemistry's there we know what each other's thinking we know where we're going to be we know where
0: we're, we're at in the ring at all times one thing i should have asked because i'm not i, I just want to make sure um who's the younger of the two chris, so have, chris is by four years okay so i gotta say i got two sons who are six years apart so mm-hmm. um i guess that's a, a, kind of a similar gap four years and yeah. six years so yeah when did you start wrestling dustin what age
1: Uh, 14 was my, the first time I got paid, uh, to work a show. That was, that was what I considered
0: literally King Kong
1: Bundy paying me out of his own pocket, um, to work a show with him to do. I did everything from music to pictures to, uh, programs. I broke in the old school way, like literally showed up at the building uh, fresh-faced and begging to be in the business and helped put up the ring and took bumps. And uh, King Kong Bundy happened to walk in while I was doing all that and saw something in me at 14. Had no idea I was 14, by the way. <laughs> uh, I believe I believe I lied and told him I was 16. And uh, he pulled me aside and he's like, hey, kid, like you're with me for the rest of the day. And he took me out for ice cream and um, told me he kind of smartened me up. So, yeah, he he smartened me up to the business while we were getting ice cream. And um, then I worked the entire show with him. He paid me $150 out of his own pocket, which was probably more than a lot of the boys got paid that night. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it was was awesome. He had just – I was 14, so it was 1995. So he was right off of his WrestleMania match with The Undertaker. And it was incredible, and I was addicted immediately. And from then on, I found every show that I could sneak onto, every way that I could get trained. Uh, Finally got trained properly with Maryland Championship Wrestling, uh, and then the Briscoe Brothers, and then uh, moved to North Carolina and started going to the School of Punk with Shannon Moore, And that's where I met the Hardys and Shane Helms and got brushed up even more. And then a couple of years later, uh, finally went to Taz
0: and got polished for, for real and then went to TV. What I'm assuming then what got you into wrestling, Chris? Was it big brother? Like, if he's meeting people like King Kong Bundy, like, if he's a star of the WWE at that time, he's coming home, he's got $150 in, 19, in mid-90s. That sounds like, if I suddenly told my son right now, hey, I need you to work a wrestling show, you're going to get paid $150. I think even 25 years later, his eyes would light up. So well,
1: breaking breaking in during the, it was pre-Attitude era, so 90, the early, nine, early to mid-90s, breaking in then was surreal. It was uh, a weird... Very closed off fraternity, kayfabe was still a thing,
3: mm.
1: and Chris broke into an entirely different business, an entirely different way.
2: Yeah, I remember the the King Kong Bundy show on Shingatig, It was an old warehouse, and he in you were senior in high school. Right? Yeah, I was uh, I was I think I was fifteen, so I was a sophomore. Oh, wow, okay. I was a sophomore in high school. Went to training with Dustin. Um, the Briscoe brothers were there, a couple other guys, and they let me get in the ring, signed a waiver, and they're like, "Sure, you know, come in and." They drilled him. Yeah, they they Ooh. had me bump, bumping around, uh, you know, flat back bumps, foot bumps, you know, running the ropes. Uh, and I, Chris was a natural. I couldn't hardly get out of bed the next morning, but uh, <laughs> it was it was quite an experience, and and to see how far the Briscoe brothers have gone, it's it's made that story. Cool. Like, it's, I mean, it was I, cool anyway. I mean, yeah, it was definitely. You went to cool. school the next day and could barely move, and people were like, what what happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was definitely a superstar <laughs> in school to, you know, the seniors and juniors. Like, oh, he got to get in the wrestling ring. Cause at that time, wrestling was big in the schools. Everybody was yeah. going the DX, you know. That was the attitude area. Tops, yeah, that, chops, yeah. So uh it was a huge deal. um And then four or five years later, I'm in college. Uh, and Dustin calls me, I'm in my, I'm in my buddy's apartment, I think partying, whatever. My partner had been injured. I had to work a show, and it was like the week of, and my partner
1: had, I think, hurt his neck, and the promoter was like, can you get somebody
2: else? I think it was a new promoter,
3: Mm, and he
2: didn't know many people, and he's like, can you, can you get somebody else? I'm like, yeah, and so I got the phone call, and it's like, hey, do you want to, Come to Gloucester, Virginia, and wrestle. You've been tag team with me, and I'm just like I've only been in the ring one time, like, and that was four years ago. And
1: I, I'll say it like I wouldn't have done this to him if after that drill session when he was 15, my brothers and I look at each other, look at each other, and uh, Jay was like, he's a natural. He's there's no. No denying it, like he this yeah. this is something he can do. So,
3: yeah, so there was no
1: question in my mind that he could,
2: if nothing else, get a hot tag and bump somebody around. Yeah, and I mean that's we got to the billet. Why, of course, you know, I said, yeah, I'm going to be in that match. You know, 19 years old, um, never had a wrestling match before.
3: Definitely. And he just he
2: did the Robert Gibbs. He did the Robert Gibson act. <laughs> I, I played Ricky Morton the whole match, and <laughs> I tagged him in, and he went crazy on me. Yeah, but I, I was a nervous wreck because we got to the building and you know we changed into our, you know, gear and Dustin's like, all right, I'm gonna take you in the ring. We're gonna do some bumps. It's been five years since you've been in a wrestling ring or four years, so you're gonna do some bumps. And I remember seeing the promoter off to the side watching, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, uh-huh. like he's and. Gonna- rugged ronnie garvin i believe oh yeah i was just like they're they're gonna i was so paranoid i'm like they're gonna know i'm I'm a phony like i I haven't had any training they're gonna say no we can't do this at the last second and i remember just telling him if nothing else attack the mat just attack the mat yeah Mm -hmm. don't be scared of the mat attack the mat well i took that first bump when dustin's like all right take a bump i took that first bump all oh, the wind went out of my body. I <laughs> completely knocked the wind out of myself and I'm just like this is going to be a rough night. Like I I cannot fake being good like <laughs> they're just they're going to call me out and they you know last second they're going to make a change but um you know we went through the match and the guys that we that we worked against or worked with uh just super nice guys um Prince Malik, Prince Malik is, and the Pharaoh. Yeah. Right? Uh yep. Prince Malik, who's since passed away uh, at a very young age, in his 20s, I believe. He's 29. 30. Uh, yep, and it was because of wrestling, I believe he yeah. got kicked in the head. Yeah. He got and kicked in the head during a match. or
1: something like that?
2: Yeah. Ooh. And then, and then he, he went home, went to bed that night. Never and woke up. Never woke up. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, going forward in my career, like, you know, if I'm ever working with somebody that's a newbie, and you know, I'm not going to give them a hard time. Like I remember how the, the veterans were to me, and I'm going to be that way to the new guys. So um, it was again, my- I broke into a different business. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Was, it was it was quite an experience, and I got that hot tag, and we had our mom and dad there, yeah. and I, the roof blew off the place, and I was just like, I'm I'm hooked. From then on, I I got to have more. Matches it was there. an incredible reaction for them having no idea who you were. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome and uh after that i said you know what i'm gonna buy a wrestling ring i'm gonna put it in mom and dad's backyard and dustin you're gonna train me because i want to do this regularly and that's what you did and that's well, what i did bought a wrestling ring from that promoter yeah huh with, so, his, with his own money gave him i think 900 it was like an 83 or 84 ring mm-hmm. um it was stiff as i don't know what yeah uh it was like falling <laughs> on the ground um, but it was a great training ring. Because <laughs> so I feel like throughout our career, throughout my he career, back to that. they always keep coming back in some way. Actually, just real quick, interesting story. Mark Briscoe has since come back into my life in a weird way. Uh, one of my coworkers found his dog. His dog <laughs> had wandered off, and my coworker oh, cool. yesterday morning I get to work and my coworker says, "Do you know uh, a re- pro wrestler with the last name Pew who's missing his front teeth?" And I'm like, um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, and I'm a police officer. I was like, please tell me you didn't arrest Mark Briscoe. <laughs> and he's like, no, no. Remember that dog that I found two months ago? And I you know, took care of it and got it fixed. And he's like, this guy pulls up in a van when, and a bunch of kids jump out. And they're like, that's our dog. That's our dog. It was Mark Briscoe. So. <laughs> Why. Yeah. So my coworker is like, you know, tore up about it. He's like, you know, I, I love this dog, but that's their dog. You know, I'm going to yeah. go back through the Humane Society and sign it over to him or whatever. But it's just really strange that, you know, now Mark Briscoe is, I guess he lives within 10, 15 minutes of us. Close. I, yeah. I hope that he brings. The- They've always been pretty close. They, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: like, it's not like Delaware is, you know, 150 miles away. Like they're close to us. Uh, yeah. we've I've gone there in the past couple of years. During the pandemic, I went there and worked out with them in, the, in that ring. So, again, they've always come in and out of our lives, and they're, they've are they always been incredibly giving to us. Really right. generous. And, like, anytime you guys want to come by, just stop in. You don't even have to call us.
2: Right. So Wow.
0: That does so that's not my... these days. That is something that? that's like... That does not happen these days. People, no. people do not just drop in on people anymore. Like, it used no. to be... Growing up, that would be like, hey, you just knock on somebody's door. Hey, just drop it by. That does not happen anymore.
1: See, the Briscoes are so old school like that. That's that's kind of how they still are. Yeah, just come on by. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I saw today on the day we're recording. Actually, they just signed um, a long term deal with uh, Ring of Honor. I saw Tony Khan announce that. So yeah, they're still going to be around.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. They ain't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I told, I told my coworker because he's like, yeah, he said he's got some wrestling match in Boston this weekend. I'm like, he's got one of the biggest matches of his career for the uh, tag team titles in ROH. Uh, against FTR. Against FTR. So, yeah, he's Who got are, a pretty big match in again, Boston. two guys that we have a connection to. Like, yeah. that's, a, that's another dream match
1: of mine. Oh, to, yeah. At some point, work FTR. I don't care if we do a five-minute job to him on dark. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to be in the ring with Stephen Walters. I'm sorry. Uh, Cash Wheeler. Again. Cash. Uh, him and I worked as singles. I've never worked him as a team. Cash and I worked as singles uh, in like, good lord, South Carolina somewhere, uh, ten years ago, twelve years ago, something like that. And just we called it all out there, and it was so great. It was so much fun, and he's he's amazing. So I, I firmly believe that Dax and Cash are the two best workers in the world. They're the <laughs> be- they're the, possibly the best tag team of all time.
0: Yeah. yeah, but they definitely have that reputation. Now, a couple of things that, that came to mind as you were doing, as we were telling me that story to begin with, I know we keep getting those little breaks in between as we keep losing the signal. One no is you would not put your, you wouldn't put your reputation on the line though, if you knew that your brother couldn't do it. Like, there's no way you're like, I'm just going to give him a payday. He's going to embarrass me. Like, you know, straight away that your reputation's on the line. So obviously you knew you were going to take that. The other thing that came to mind as well with, um, we've heard of ring rust. Uh, five years that's a long time to go without so uh, (laughs) I I don't know I can't remember if you'd had any injuries I know that's always one of Mason's questions like hey did you have any injuries he always likes to know the gruesome things like people broke a leg or they broke he always likes to know that stuff Uh, yeah
3: I was
0: was, it made me think of ring rust I was trying to think like how how did that compare like what's the difference between like a five-year gap out and say six months out for a different reason
1: because Chris had just had a training session essentially, and then a five-year gap, and then his first match, I honestly think adrenaline got him through that entire thing, mm-hmm. because there's no such thing as ring rust with you. It was just, you hadn't gone in and worked the whole match. You had that, uh, I, I think it was a benefit for you to have those fresh, that fresh mind and those fresh eyes and not be jaded at all and not be like, oh, here we go, I gotta do this again, right? chris had a terrible terrible injury literally working every every weekend
2: we were yeah. we were on the road every weekend so and i mean i'll let let him tell that story that's gruesome oh man i so there's a tag match me and dustin against lee valiant and uh dwayne allen the assassin and oh God, yeah so Dustin tags me in. I go to the top rope, and Dustin, we're gonna do the uh, the Dudley's deal where Dustin holds their legs out. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna. <laughs> I thought he was gonna headbutt. I was gonna, I was gonna headbutt. <laughs> I got up to, to I got up to the top, of my plan was the headbutt, but we were they're they were, pretty close. They were awfully close. So I said, okay, well, I'll come down like a stomp, I guess, like with my foot. So I came down. With one leg up to you know, stomp and the other, all my weight came down on my right leg and my ankle just snapped.
1: Oh it was like it was like the
2: Sid Vicious yeah. deal. Ouch.
3: But yeah, it was th-
2: nasty. Thank God it didn't break it the calf like his. Um, yeah, mine was just I broke my fibula, immediately knew it, heard it. It was a loud, you know. We had Aiden Chambers on the outside He knew us. it too. He I did it. not. He heard it crack. And I, roll, I immediately go to tag Dustin back in. I'm like, I, I can't go. And I roll to the outside, and Aiden Chambers is there. And, and he jumps up on the apron. Yeah, he was going to take my place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like, uh, he's like, it's broke, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's definitely broke. So um, Dustin had to finish the match himself. And we're eight hours from home? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah and I did not want to spend the night in the hospital in you know North Carolina where we don't and
1: of course we were the main event so it was late yeah yeah and so there was nowhere to go except emergency rooms and he did not want to be in North Carolina way down South in Carolina and yeah no other ring Chambers I finished the match I don't think I tagged Chambers in no but I just we called the rest of it out there finished the matchup
2: real quick and literally had to carry him to the back and cut did we cut that boot off of you i can't remember we didn't cut the boot but it took a long time it to took because it swelled so big like oh yeah it, it was ridiculous his ankle and foot had swelled so much that we couldn't get his boot off it looked like there was a softball in my ankle um it was just disgusting looking i knew that if i went to the hospital i was it was going to be an overnight stay. I didn't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Um. So got my boot off. Um. You know, wrapped it the best we could, put some ice on it, and then I laid in the back seat of. A, we were driving a small car at that time. Scott's
0: car must have been.
2: Yeah. So. Um, which Aiden Chambers we know him as Scott Beach. So Scott's yes. car. <laughs> he's our brother. Yeah. He, he's the middle to our brother. Uh so and it was the worst ride ever. A uh, six and a half hours, and bad. every single pebble that was in the road that we went over, I felt it. And I was just like, Oh, oh like, come on, like, just let's hurry up and, and get Scott home. Scott is the most caring, loving human being in the world. So he's driving, and the whole time he's going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, and at the time <laughs> he was living with me. And when we got back to Ocean City to our apartment, he literally carried me upstairs to our apartment like literally and i can't go to the doctors the next
1: day obviously
2: yeah so um actually it was a friday night oh god that's right yeah they, uh sat I, and i was thinking i couldn't see a doctor till monday
0: second hold on a second i, I had the biggest stop than ever that was like about 15 20 seconds you just mentioned that you'd gone to the wedding and then i lost everything straight after oh, that i
2: didn't make it to the wedding. i went to the reception okay so, uh, yeah, someone took my place in the wedding and I went about a year just with my ankle still broken, uh, just hobbling around and doing the best I can until finally I went back to the doctor and they did surgery. Uh, and I was at another three months and, um, they're like, all right, well, you got to stay off your ankle for six weeks. And stupid me was back in the gym three days <laughs> later. <laughs> Uh never it has never also
1: still doing shows of me and Scott with the crutches, playing the crutches like Hollywood Hogan
2: plays guitar. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. I was still going to the shows. Uh, but to this day, my ankle is still broke. Still bad. So one of these days I'll actually, you know, re get a surgery done and actually go through the proper recovery. No. I
0: was getting flashbacks when you mentioned the fact that your ankle was swelled up ridiculously. I had um, the most innocuous injury as um, soccer. Not even playing. I was coaching at high school and I'm just warming up the goalkeeper. And you think, all right, I can kind of see where you're gonna get injured here. Nope, wasn't even that. I was walk. I was just kicked him a few balls. I went to get another ball and there was a divot in the ground. My foot went in and I went over and uh, yeah. Ankle. Uh, I, I had to sit on the while the game's gone. I had to get the they had to get the um oh, the, whatever the medical person is. They had to come out and get whoa. me off the field. They couldn't even start the game. They were ready to start the game. <laughs> I was like I was lying there in the middle. I couldn't move. It was absolutely <laughs> so Oh yeah, I remember it badly. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it's not good. It's not good at all. Now, I did want to ask you then, since we last talked, so originally we were going to try and get over, and we never managed to do it. Um, I know you wrestle somewhere on, uh, is it Chickateague? Is that where it is? Yeah. So I want to kind of get like a little feel of perhaps things that happened in the last couple of years, perhaps a quick overview, and is there any other events coming up soon? The the gist of it is this guy, uh, Dennis, and his brother, Anthony.
1: Uh, started this promotion called Eastern shore professional wrestling. Yep. Uh, and he, he lives on Shinkateek and we're, we grew up on Shinkateek. Okay. And so, you know, any, I've, I've never since 1995, I've never missed a show on Shinkatig. Like I've always been either a focal point of Shinkateek or that's where I started. Um, yeah. So, when he started that
2: promotion, you know he came to us, and we've uh, we've been on every show that he's he's had mm-hmm. but um we
1: had some contract issues we had some issues with him with uh with money and with uh-huh. it's it's been a rocky road i'll okay. I'll just say that professionally i'll say that it's been a rocky I've never in my twenty seven years dealt with anyone quite like him i that's the best way to put that
2: okay.
1: uh and yeah so um but he is steadily he's trying to get this thing running on shank it won't go without us <laughs> but <laughs> uh, he's he's trying to get it he's trying to get it going on Shinkatig and he's he's ran five shows now four or five shows now four I think. four shows now mm-hmm. this one in September on September 24th on Shinkatig Island he'll have his anniversary show uh, it's called Homecoming he's he's trying to he's trying to book a match between us and him and his brother a tag match oh and, okay. Uh, yeah and uh so it's basically the troublemakers us <laughs> versus you know the divas or whatever the malcontents versus the bosses his him and his brother are the owners of the company and uh and that's an, a thing that he's very out with it's you know he, he he loves to let people know that he's the boss um so yeah and it, it's just it's been an interesting business relationship it's 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 a lot different than certainly than what i'm used to but hey it's it's his first time doing this he's brand new to this he's a year into it so september 24th is his anniversary show that's his wrestlemania it's called homecoming and uh i i would like to say professionally hopefully we'll be there hopefully we'll be wrestling there i would like to go ahead and settle this and and get in the ring with him and show him why people say i'm the best That has Mm -hmm. ever worked there. (laughs) So, I, you know, we'll see. I, I, you know, I hope we, the last one we worked was May for him.
2: Yeah. Uh, It's been a very different experience. Like to wrestle for a cause. We want to give back. I want to, I want to make a difference. That's why, like,
1: one of the reasons that I, (laughs) I didn't want to get famous just to be famous. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to make a difference somehow. And and so that's what we've been doing the last several years is either doing 50-50 benefits or 100% like all-in benefit shows uh, for
2: kids and families in need. Yeah. Okay, good. I thought we lost him. No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Dennis Dennis and his
1: brother I'm not saying that they don't want to do good for the community I'm saying they do it differently than us right and there's there's the divide you know they they think their way is the right way um, to do business because they don't know any better (laughs) and and I'm saying I've been doing this for a long time and I do know better but
0: hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get a match out of it we'll see I've learned one thing straight away because I've only ever seen it written out. So I thought it were i didn't know it was pronounced. It's like Shinkatig. Is that how you said it? Shinkatig. See, I didn't know that's how it was pronounced. I've only there's a lot of things like because that's probably three three and a half hours from where I am. So there's a lot of places wow. like when you see those signs like you I, like I recognize the name and everything, but I've never heard anyone mention it because it's too it's far. Only right. Three and a half hours from you? I think it's three. I think it's three and a half. The right, reason, the, what I was going to say is, boys. you got to bring the boys. I'm actually going to be fairly close to there tomorrow. Um, I'm actually going to um, an Orioles affiliate game. I'm going to be in Delmarva. So, the Shorebirds. So, I think it's like... (laughs)
2: You'd be an hour away from Shinketink. Yeah. Yeah, you will be a half hour away from us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like two and a half hours, I think it is, from where we are. Uh, We've got a few little stops on the way, so it might be a little bit longer because we're not quite going as a crow flies. But, yeah, I think it's about two and a half to Del Delmarva from what I can remember. So, yeah, it's just a little... T- you know the price of gas right now. It's, it's not easy just to to justify, hey, I'm going to travel three and a half hours to go see a wrestling match. That's the other thing that actually scaled back our wrestling as well. Well, just the... Once that yeah. gas hit four and five dollars a gallon, I was like, I can't travel two hours to go see a, an independent wrestling match anymore. Of course. Right, it's of too course. much. And... Yeah, just the, our local one in Richmond, it looks like it's closing down because the owner's moving down to Florida. So that was our second closest one. Uh, we have one in Maryland in Waldorf that's just over an hour away. But outside that, everything's two hours plus. I'm just like, nope. Like, <laughs> even tomorrow night, there's one out in Martinsburg, West Virginia, which a year ago would have been like, yep, we're, we're going. Now, at $4.50 a gallon, it's like, uh, that, that's a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's tough.
4: Today we have a very special guest for the last episode of season 3, Dustin Tar. How you doing, Dustin?
1: What's up, Mason? What's going on, guys?
0: Hey, we're doing good. Thank you for coming on today. No so, problem.
4: So, when I was looking to do the introduction, I was looking online to, for, to find your nickname, but I couldn't find one. It, did I just not look deep enough or do you not have one?
1: I I actually a long long time. I've been doing this probably a lot well, I know a lot longer than you've been alive. But um <laughs> I long, long ago, I dropped any nicknames just because being a lower level guy and enhancement talent, um, as they say, um, I just kind of I didn't adopt any monikers because I figured if I made it to a certain level, I wanted to be completely adaptable to whatever they stuck on me. So whatever uh, anybody decided I was going to do or be, or have the gimmick of, uh, I wanted to be completely adaptable. So it was just dust and tar for the longest time. When I first started, uh, well, not when I, I would say five years or so after I got into the game, I decided I wanted to be a heart. So I was going to be Ethan Hart. Uh, and I, I think I went by hotshot, hotshot, Ethan Hart for like a brief moment, and then actually met a heart. And, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you might not want to do that, bro. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, I dropped that after a very brief stint as hotshot Ethan Hart. And, uh, and went back to Dustin Tarr. And they're like, hey, you know, if you can't market yourself as yourself, you probably shouldn't be doing this. And so I just decided to, dust, if I was going to be anybody, I was going to be the first Dustin Tarr.
0: And that's why I love when Mason comes up with questions. I would never have thought of that in a million years. That most wrestlers <laughs> actually have a nickname. I, I love. Oh these, yeah, absolutely. Most like,
1: wrestlers have a moniker, and they get set in that mindset. And it's like I am this character, and so if someone puts another character on them, they're stuck. Mm-hmm. They don't know where to go with it.
0: Absolutely. Now, we've actually only seen one of your matches. We okay. got to see you in I'm trying to remember the exact date or approximately I think it was June 2019. I know it was NEW wrestling. And yes. we got to see you tag with DeWan O'Neill. and I know we're going to be talking about that later, but I just wanted to set the context for people of how we got to how when we got to see you and where we know you from. Okay. All right, Mason, okay. go ahead.
4: For anyone that doesn't know you, how do you describe your character and style of wrestling?
1: Uh, I am, as I said, adaptable. I'm a, I, if, if nothing else, I consider myself, after doing this since 1995, so... How many years is that, Mason? Do the math for me real quick. If I started doing it in 1995, that would be 26 years, right? Oh, uh,
0: you bailed him out way too quick. As 26 as years. Myself, I was very curious to see how much progress he was actually making there.
1: After and he looked
0: very, <laughs> Sorry you can that, on an audio Dad. podcast, I- but he was looking a little nervous then because I pulled a similar stunt on him last week as well.
1: I apologize, Dad. So, yes. So 26 years, um, I want I, after all that time, I just want to be known as someone who can work with anyone, uh, no matter their size, their speed, their ability, their years in the business. I want to be that ultimate utility man. I want to be the guy who I, I might not be hitting in the four hole and, and hitting bombs every game, but I want to be that guy who... You know, if you have a spot on a show to fill, it's like, well, we know we can count on Dustin. Um, so I want to be that kind of worker. I've always wanted to be that kind of worker and that kind of wrestler. Um, but as far as character goes, um, I, everybody, I don't know many guys who prefer being a babyface. who prefer being a good guy. I love being a bad guy. I've always loved being a bad guy. It's easier to get people to boo you than it is to cheer you. Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I really enjoy being that slimy uh, heel who finds a way to win, you know, no matter what. Who goes? Who uh, will will break the rules, or who will go outside of anybody else's mindset to try and to try and pull the win out? So I'm I like being that slimy, nasty, you know, win at all costs. Win if you can, cheat if you must. Heel. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: Did you do any sports in school?
1: Uh, In in high school, I played everything I possibly could. Uh, From the time I was able to pick up uh, a baseball and a glove and a bat, I was playing baseball. Uh, From the first moment I could be on a football team, I was on a football team. Uh, The first chance I got to wrestle, my amateur uh, wrestling years go back to, I think I was 11 when I started amateur wrestling. And wrestled all the way through the whole time, uh, you know, competitively amateur wrestling. I, I wrestled from the time I was 11 until I want to say I was in the Marine Corps still wrestling um, in 2006, 2007. So I've always loved being on the mats, loved wrestling. I loved I played football in the Marine Corps as well. So I love playing football. So any sport I could possibly play. Whether I'd ever tried it before or not, I will. I will try. I, I I take a lot of pride in being an athlete, and that's one thing you need as a, as a good utility guy—someone they can count on to jump in the ring and, and wrestle anyone. At any you t- got to be a good athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: How did all those sports help you to become a wrestler?
1: Oh gosh. Uh, so, obviously, amateur wrestling, having that mat ability, that ground game helps a lot. Uh, being able to control your body. Um, you know and and keep from hurting yourself um the ability to to hit the mat and and protect yourself uh, no matter what um uh, obviously football the the contact that comes with football you're not you, you're, you can't be afraid to get hit and play football so okay. uh i was never afraid to get hit um uh the speed that it takes to play baseball um you know, I, I, I took a little bit from every sport I ever played. But I would say amateur wrestling, of course, helped the most in ring. Uh, just because when I first started training, I had that ground game. I knew how to control my body. I knew how to manipulate uh, someone else's body. Um, and I knew how to protect myself. And starting out, I started out at 14 years old. So mm-hmm. you have to know how to protect yourself if you're a kid going in there against grown men. So I, I would, amateur wrestling, certainly above all helped me you know in the in the professional wrestling game
0: now i saw that you were a marine and i was kind of curious besides the obviously the athletic side of that and the training that goes with that is there any other skills that you picked up from being a marine that has helped you to become a wrestler at all
1: commitment um it takes if nothing else the ability to commit to something um and follow orders and uh Almost be selfless, and uh, you know, on a wrestling show, yeah, yes, everybody wants to be a superstar, and everybody wants to, you know, have their hand raised, and uh, you know, everybody wants to wear the belt and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's not your night and you have to know your place on the wrestling card it's one of the most important things to learn starting out and as you become a veteran is where your place is on the card not Mm -hmm. everybody can be stokehold steve austin not everybody can be aj styles Mm -hmm. and aj would tell you like he started out as a lower level guy too like he you know he started out because of his size because of his uh Ability to work with anyone. Sometimes it's not the best thing. The ability to work with everyone sometimes will get you no more than enhancement talent spots. So sometimes you're just getting beat as that guy who can work with anyone. Uh, if you can make you know a guy who's seven foot tall look like a better athlete than he is, you're just going to get beat by that seven foot guy quite a bit. So uh, I would say the ability to know my place uh, and, and to respect uh, the past and the veterans that came before me And all that, that goes hand in hand with my time in the Marine Corps, Um, you know, learning my place on the team, learning that sometimes it's just important to be that guy in the second match who's getting beat than it is to be the guy in the last match who's getting his hand raised. There's no different in the Marine Corps. You have to swallow a lot of that pride and you have to take orders, you know, from guys who may be younger than you, who may you know, who just played the game better than you did. And they got to where they were, you know, before you got to that, that place. So they're giving you orders and you just got to swallow it and take it and move forward. And that the, the, I would say the growing pains that came with my time being in the Marine Corps certainly helped further my wrestling career. Um, I learned that, that selflessness and that, that ability to just swallow my pride and move forward and, and accept my spot on the card and, know that everyone's doing a job to make the best show possible. So it's not your job to worry about, you know, what is Dustin tars, you know, what, what about me? What about my moves? What about me getting my hand raised? That's not your job. Your job is to present the best card possible, not the best match, you know, that you possibly can every time out. Not the best. It doesn't need to be a 20 minute, you know, you know, balls to the wall, amazing, you know, high-flying match if you're the second match. Because who's going to follow that?
0: <laughs> exactly. If you
1: have the ladder match from WrestleMania 10 with Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon every single match, there's no ebb and flow to the show. It's not a roller coaster then. you got to mm-hmm. know your spot. you got to know your place in life. So, that, that, my time in the Marine Corps certainly helped me with that.
4: Can you tell us what it was like to train with the Briscoe, Shannon Moore, and Taz?
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Well, so the Briscoes are someone now I I broke in in 1995 and King Kong Bundy actually broke me in, um, discovered me as an announcer. I was 14 years old and I took a, a job as a well, I took a job, I took an internship as a freshman at a radio station and a wrestling show rolled into town and they needed an announcer for a special attraction match. So again, knowing your place on the card, they needed one announcer for one match on that one card, special attraction match. They gave me that spot because I was the youthful announcer, you know, who did sports on the radio as an internship. And they thought it would be kitschy. They thought it'd be cool to have the local kid do a, a, a match. Well, I showed up three hours early. I helped them put the ring together. I bumped around in the ring for the first time. And King Kong Bundy walks in the door and he's like, who's that kid? And he gave me my first payday. He broke me into the business. He was the coolest, most humble, funny, amazing guy I had met to that point. And he got me started. But he didn't train me. He didn't, you know, he couldn't take me on the road with it and give me matches and stuff like that. So I met the Briscoes very early on. And they did that for me. They opened their doors to me. Uh, They're, you know, we lived an hour and a half away from each other. So the Briscoes opened that door for me and kind of would give me the rub and take me, you know, if I showed up to shows with them, they're like, hey, it's Dustin. And, you know, they would make other guys think, oh, that guy must be pretty decent if he's rolling with the Briscoes, if he's a friend of the Briscoes. So I would go and work out with them. And I, I learned quite a bit from them and got put that, you know, tool in my belt. Then I went to the Marine Corps and got stationed in North Carolina and met Shannon and the Hardys and, uh, Shane Helms and put more tools in my belt, going to Shannon school, the school of punk and working with them. It's a lot of this business is, is putting different tools in your belt. You want to be a good utility, man. You got to have lots of tools in your belt. You want to have lots of tools in your belt. You got to go study different styles. So I'd go, you know, again, King Kong Bundy taught me a lot of showmanship. The Briscoes taught me a lot of brawling and that like hardcore style, like, you know, uh, like the Briscoes would bring to the table, like that crazy, high flying, high risk, and at the same time brawling style that they bring to the table. And then I go to Shannon and the Hardys and Shane Helms. And I learned their style from them and train with that I trained with Shannon for probably a year or so um, mm-hmm. while I, while I was in the Marine Corps. Just going, and he, to his credit, to his eternal credit, and. Again, he didn't know me from Adam. He And I show up at his door with one of his friends, and his friend says, hey, Shannon, we might want to look at this guy. He's really good. Get in the ring and work out. And he's like, okay, you can keep coming. And never charge me a dime. He was never wow. looking for money from me. And this was a guy who was contracted by the WWE at the time. He was with the WWE at that point in time. He never asked for a dime from me. Uh, I I came every week, worked out. He told me what I need to work on. A lot of what Shannon pushed to me, though, is, look, dude, You need to work on your body. You still look like somebody who should be sitting in the front row. So you need to get in the gym, work on your body, because you can obviously put a match together. But the reason no one's looking at you is because you look like some dude who's in the third row. So I started working on my body. (laughs) Got that? You know, at that point in time, I I learned that from them. It's like they were currently on television, so they were telling me you need to look like someone who should be on television. And then the career changing moment for me well the biggest career changing moment the chance of a lifetime for me came when taz opened up the dojo and he i was in the first class um i I, I sent my tapes in i sent my information in they called me within 48 hours um we would like to invite you to the class here's the details here's how long you'll be there All this kind of stuff, and I I got lucky enough to be the first class of, of, I think he did three classes, three or four classes with like anywhere from six to ten guys in each class, and it was, I mean, eye to eye, uh, you know, he was there with us every step of the way, worked with us every day on everything, because Taz is a guy, number one, Taz is one of my heroes, Uh, I came up watching ECW, you know, Northeast kid. So came up watching ECW and Taz was one of my heroes. And he, I mean, I, the ability, the chance to work with him was life-changing. It was, I mean, I I was so excited and I, I was like a kid in a candy store. I mean, I, I go and work with Taz and Taz is a guy who knows he's been, he's seen every piece of the business from working on the Indies to working with the WWE to working with impact. He was with impact at that point in time. And he had done everything from wrestle to corner somebody to announcing to being an agent, to being in the production meetings at WWE. He knew everything that everyone was looking for. So he gave me a lot of tools for my tool belt in that time with him. And I, I still talk to him today. I mean, I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago. Um, about doing something with AEW. Uh, he never stopped looking out for his guys, for his dojo guys who came and did that dojo with him. It was his, his baby. It was his pet project. It was the developmental before WB had developmental. Before there was a performance center, there was a Team Taz dojo, and I will say that until the day I die. They took that idea from him, and yes, they made it a billion-dollar idea,
3: <laughs> but
1: Taz, that idea started with the T- Team Taz dojo, that performance center because that wasn't a training school that was a finishing school that was a clinic for guys who had been in the business for five years or more who just needed those last little tweaks to their to their game and again to taz's credit within 24 hours of leaving the dojo i was getting a call from impact wrestling when can you come in when can you work with us we want to get you in here as soon as possible and before i knew it i was on my way to orlando
0: Cool.
4: <laughs> I read that you trained your brother with the Briscoes. If that is true, is it harder or easier to train your brother than another person?
1: Harder. <laughs> it's, it's way harder to train a sibling than it is to train anybody because, uh, you know, you want to be a perfectionist. Obviously you want to, uh, you know, you don't want to be easy on them. Um, and at the same time, you certainly don't want to hurt them or hurt their chances going forward. Um, and my brother broke in in 2005, and it was as easy, as simple as I had a show in Norfolk, Virginia, and the promoter—I uh, was a tag match that the promoter wanted to put on. And the last second, the guy dropped out of the tag match, and the promoter called me. He's like, "Hey, man, I need a tag team partner for you. I don't know anybody. Um, who? What do you think? Who can you tag with?" And just out of—I just threw it out there. My brother was in college at the time and uh had never i take that back he had been in the ring one time with the briscoes just as like a little fun thing that we were doing he showed up to train with me one day and i just threw it out there i said my brother chris could probably fill that spot for you because i knew that if nothing else chris could get the hot tag from me after i took most of the beating most of the work he could get the hot tag from me come in throw some punches some drop kicks you know get the crowd fired up which is exactly what he did and the guy was like do you is he trained? Can he work? And I was like, he has worked before. You know, he he has had a couple training sessions before. And uh, he's like, okay, give him a call, see if he'll come in and see what his rate is. And I called my brother and my brother jumped on it. And he hasn't looked back since. That was 2005. And then we got out out of that match. And he was so amped. He was so excited that the first thing he did upon coming to the back and getting some you know some feedback from some of the boys the first thing he did was say okay what do we do now how do we how do I get trained where do I need to go and myself and Aiden Chambers and the Briscoes worked with him and got him trained up and he my brother bought his own ring and
3: got himself yeah
1: trained himself as well and had us come and train him in his his backyard and I mean he's still going today so it worked out.
0: Wow. Now, i got a question for you. Did you ask that question because you're looking to train Jackson when he's a little bit older? No! Mason's (laughs) a middle school wrestler, and his six-year-old brother is obsessed with wrestling as well, so I was wondering if you're looking for some insight into that question. It It is hard to train a sibling. It is hard to train a sibling. Now... We kind of take a little while, we take a long time when we come to our preparation, but we like to kind of, we like to, when we're interviewing somebody, we like to go and kind of research them a little bit, find out some interesting things, go and find out a little bit more about them before we start them. This one question has kind of developed over... Probably about the period of a month. And each time I add to it, it kind of gets a little bit more and more sad. So I started off with, I saw on social media that you posted about the wrestler Bruiser. Uh, We went to see him. We've seen him a few times at MCW. Um, He passed away from leukemia. We actually reviewed the tribute show to him. And I was certainly going to ask you about that. Then also recently as well, we had the passing of Brody Lee as well. Uh, From my point of view, far too young of an age. Um, Same with Bruiser as well, of course. And then I was going to ask you about how how these deaths have kind of affected people, particularly indie wrestlers, when you see people dying that young. But then also, of course, and now I've lost my train of thought because I'm right in the middle of this and it's kind of emotional to me. Um, last week, um, the passing of Porkchop Johnson as well, which I think hit me harder than any that I've seen before. Uh, for somebody in their 30s, um, I I didn't see those other ones. Bruiser, we kind of knew about just because it was not a good situation that he was in. Right. Um, I, I guess the question I'm asking is, and it might be difficult because I'm not sure if you're actually wrestling right now with the pandemic. But what sort of, from your impressions, and you obviously talk to more wrestlers than what we do, um, how has that in how has that impacted wrestlers and the deaths of three people so close to each other? Uh, they come in threes, right? You know, it's I it's guess so. Yeah. Terrible
1: um so rj the bruiser um wonderful wonderful man who fought and fought and fought that disease and 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 until you know his time was up and it's awful and uh i've i've known him for for years and years and years know his wife um of course he's you know i'm a marylander so you know maryland championship wrestling is huge you know and has been for years and years and years and um and it was that i mean he and danny that was their baby and they you know man they made it fantastic mcw is, a, is an awesome company full yeah. of awesome guys and and rj was the heart and soul of that company for so so long and i mean again you just feel awful for his family uh, for his closer friends and and he's his memory will live on i can honestly say that he he will live on through mcw and through his wife's work uh tara is non-stop you know uh with her with her social media stuff and with mcw and you know she's gonna have her hands in the business uh no matter what she's been in the business for as long as i've been in the business so um she's gonna i think she's gonna do his memory well um i'm, I'm proud of her and uh and what she's done for RJ, for RJ's memory, for the business, it's it's been awesome. She's a strong woman. Um, Brody, man, I, when that happened, you know, I didn't know he was sick. So many no. people didn't know he was sick. Hopefully knew, yeah. And, you know, my brother called me. I want to say, gosh, probably a couple a couple months before. So his last match, I want to say, was October. So, like, late November, my brother called me, and he's like, hey, man, like, is Brody okay? Is he hurt? What's going on? Because mm-hmm. uh, we haven't seen him. He Has been on TV. Drop. He, you know, the, he dropped the belt back to Cody, and he was such a prominent figure in AEW and such a locker room leader. So fast, and then he was gone, and very few people knew he was sick. And I have, I've met, I've been around Brody a couple handfuls of times in my wrestling life. And he was always so great, Um, always fun, always happy, always smiling, always ribbing somebody, always having a good time. Uh, He was a bright spot in any locker room he was in. When that happened, it felt like a gut punch. And again, I only knew him, you know, I was only around him a handful, a couple handfuls of times. I have very close friends in the business who were very close friends with him. So I immediately reached out to them. Um, and just, uh, and I, I won't say their names just for, you know, privacy and, but I immediately reached out and I was like, listen, I only was around Brody a couple handfuls of times and this has hit me hard. So how are you doing? And just checking in on everybody and and man, man, for, for those people, it was like, Gosh, it was like losing a mentor. It was like losing a brother. It was well, I mean, it was losing a brother. It was, you know, and for AEW, I can't imagine. And again, I reached out to some of those guys there, AEW, and it was like the equivalent if The Undertaker passed away. Sure. You know, losing that kind of leader in their locker room with that much knowledge and that much sense of who he is as a wrestler, because that's so much of the battle is knowing who you are as a performer. And man Brody knew who he was the big rig knew who he was as a performer and helped everybody else as far as who they were. And so I was, I mean, we were all shocked and still reeling. And you think about, you know, little Brody who I've met twice, I think. And, uh, and of course, you know, his wife and the and the youngest child who I've never met, um, I feel so terrible for them. I feel it's, it's being a father myself and I'm sure you, you know, can concur.
3: How, yeah.
1: I mean, how do you even justify that with words? Like for them to lose their dad like that, that fast, you mm-hmm. know, and just, you, you can never prepare for something like that. But luckily uh, again, AW that tribute show was the best tribute show I've ever seen for anyone ever. Uh, they did that man right and did his memory right. And they continue to, you know, if nothing else, you can say what you want about Tony Khan, but man, that guy, he's a special dude, you know, taking care of that family. Like he is, uh, you know, giving little Brody a contract and
3: yeah,
1: I'll, I'll share a story about little Brody. Like, um, his, it, the two times that I was around him, it was so weird. It's so weird bringing, and again, you'll, you'll, you'll see where I'm going here as a dad. And, you know bringing a little kid into a wrestling rock locker room is a weird thing. <laughs> like from I could not imagine bringing my son or my daughter into a wrestling locker room and them not being just wide eyed. Like what is going on here? Cause it's the wrestling locker room is like a jungle sometimes. And uh, those guys that language and um, boundaries. And, and it's like, so the, the couple of times that I met him, it was in the let wrestling locker room. And there are bad words being said left and right. And little Brody is just not caring at all. And I think he was like four or five at the time. <laughs> and, he like, uh-huh. just, and, and, and Brody is like, you know, it, it was like he's one of the, this kid is one of the boys. Like I came out of this situation thinking think that kid is one of the boys and is going to go on and, and probably be something in the wrestling business because he fit into the locker room somehow as a little kid. And still does, I'm sure. And I haven't been to AEW and I don't know what the situation there, but I'm sure Little Brody is one of the boys in the locker room, period. They treat him and handle him like an equal, and which is so cool and so so awesome for him. And and I want to say there's nothing that could lighten that impact of losing a father like that. But if anything could, or if the AEW has gone out of their way and Tony Khan has gone out of their way to lessen that impact that blow to that family and i think they're doing a phenomenal job and little brody is one of the boys and i have no doubt that he's going to be somebody in the business and it's going to be a great ride for him going forward And he's going to take everything that his dad taught him and 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 do his dad proud i know he is um and then pork chop man um and i know did you guys meet pork chop a couple times Yeah. yeah okay Uh, that guy, my first thought was I never got to put him over, uh, because, because I always said from the day I met, from the first day I met him, he had this energy that you couldn't help but smile around this guy. You couldn't help but laugh and, and just enjoy. He enjoyed life so much that he made you enjoy life. And you walked away feeling like a better person by proxy. Um, Porkchop, uh, I always said, you know, from the time Chris and I met him, my brother and I, when we met him, we wanted to work. We immediately went to a PQ, uh, who you know, K-fade, he is the booker of NEW. Uh, we ran to PQ and like, we want to work with Porkchop, <laughs> like we're begging like to work with this guy and to bump around with him because Porkchop was a unique talent where. He's very old school, so you had to be someone who could work with anyone in order to to work with Chop. and that's not a knock on Chop. He's just an old school talent. He's just a guy. Even being as young as he is, I, I looked at him and I was like, well, clearly he's doing a junkyard dog thing, but like we could make that work. Like I could have the people rocking and rolling just because I'm bumping all over the place for him. So I immediately started begging to work chop and never stopped. Like every time I was on a show with him, I'm like whatever you have for me erase it and i want to work a pork chop and i want to bump all over for this guy and i want to put him over and i told him immediately after meeting him i said i'm going to put you over we are going to work together and i'm going to put you over and it's going to be the most fun you've ever had in a match and we never got to have that match and selfishly when i heard he passed that was my first thought i'm like this pandemic kept me from working with this guy and putting this guy over like he should be put over and and you know you Listen, someone who enjoys life as much as he did, man, you have to give it up for that person. You have to like, he was all I never saw him frown. I never saw him upset. I never saw him down about anything. He was so happy and jovial and just living life to the fullest. And when somebody passes, it's very cliche to say, Man, he's so full of life. That guy was legit full of life and and yeah. gave it to you. Like, I'm all about energy. I, you can feel that guy's energy when you walked into a room, you could feel his energy and he made you feel better. And selfishly, I'm going to miss that about that. I'm going to miss going into a locker room and feeling better about, you know, just life and the world, because that guy is so good. And that guy is so happy and so present in the moment and enjoying this so much. It's like, we get to go out there and have fun and play a game, man. I get to play good guy and you get to play bad guy and we get beat each other up. And this is fun. He's right. It is fun. It's supposed to be fun. Why can't it just be fun all the time? You know? And I got, I took that from him and I, I've, I only was around the guy for a brief period, you know, of his 33 years, but man, I'm going to take that from him and I'm going to go forward with that. Cause what a sweet, sweet, gentle soul. And to say he will be sorely missed is a vast understatement. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate him. I appreciate his time on this earth, and uh, I won't forget him. And none of us will. None of us will.
0: The tribute that I saw classic pro wrestling do on Facebook, I've never it seen so many. I've never seen so many grown men with go wide as a sheet, lost for words, and sometimes just have to go. I can't say anything else. And you could see them having to switch off because you knew they were going to break down. Um, the impact that he had on people close to him was was obvious um I want to share a couple of stories Mason I think you might probably know these already but and I mentioned this on another podcast as well my first thought was that energy that you talked about as soon as you first time I saw him he comes out and he's like whoo whoo and he's like whoa everyone's suddenly paying attention you got all yeah. the kids there who are loving it who know who he is And you instantly, you were like, oh, I'm rooting for this guy. This is the guy I want to see. He got my attention straight away. And the second one is, and I don't remember how this happened. Normally, I take at least one of the boys with me to a wrestling match. I rarely go to a wrestling match by myself now because it's a shared activity. I went to a classic pro wrestling event and can't remember the situation. Anyway, Porkchop was actually at the merch table, and I'd never seen him at the merch table before. He'd actually had his match, and he'd actually injured his arm. And as he came out to the merch table, his arm was in a sling. And it was his right arm, I think. And I, I kind of asked him, I said, oh, I see you got an 8 by 10 Like, can we get an autograph so I can take it back for my boys? And he's like, I don't think I can write." He's like, I can try doing it left-handed if you like. I was like, sure, that's fine. I was like, that'll be a great story. Like, yeah. you broke your wrist or whatever. I can't remember the exact injury, he said. And I can tell the boys, you had to ride it with your wrong hand. I got a selfie with him, which I never do with wrestlers. But it was like... <laughs> It was like it's pork chop. I was like, this is cool. I like this guy. I, I want a picture with him. Normally, I'd get push the boys in front. Here you go. Let me get a picture with you. The next day, we saw him a hundred miles north at an organization. When both of us went, he was in a Royal Rumble match literally the day after. No sling, anything. And as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh my gosh, the length that he went to to sell that story just for a few hours longer. Yeah. He didn't have to do that. He could have just nope. come out says, oh, I'm okay now. Like he was a little bit of a bum. I'm okay. He had the sling on. He sold the whole thing for the rest of that show. He had no idea that I would be at that event. To me, that that, that was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. A, he very,
1: a very old school talent, uh, uh, you know, wise beyond his years. And, you know, just selling that injury for that much longer, that, you know, might not have meant anything to him. But he knew it meant something to, to whoever saw that, you know, whoever, you know. And it certainly means something to me. Again, I started a long, long time ago. So that kind of stuff goes a long way with me. But I'll say the love that we have for pork uh, the, and the tributes that you saw and the grown men weeping uncontrollably that has nothing to do with wrestling. And that's a Testament to that man, the love that we have for him. It, it does. It has nothing to do with who he was as a wrestler. It's who he was as a human being and the mark that he makes on the world as a human being and, and, and the, the way that he selflessly makes people feel or made people feel throughout his life, that was, that's a special, special human being. You know, he was certainly not defined as a pro wrestler, you know, <laughs> even though we know him as pork chop, which is his yeah. wrestling persona. He was not defined as a pro wrestler. This was a special man and, and all man, certainly all man, uh, who, you know he he was a very a very special human being and again we'll never forget him and it has nothing to do with the wrestling business. I have mm-hmm. lots of friends who I've met in wrestling that if I would met them in real life I would be just as connected to them. And Porkchop is certainly one of those men. If you met him at the gas station he would make you feel just as special as if you paid to see him wrestle. That's a special dude.
0: Yeah. All right, Mason, go ahead.
4: I saw this one video of Brody Lee's son when he was in the locker room fighting with Adam Cole. Yeah. Huh. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So that wasn't the locker room. That was at a, a New Year's Eve party. And uh, of course, Adam is, uh, he's with uh, Britt Baker. Uh, I think that's that's widely known, right? He and Britt yeah. Baker and an item. So yeah. he goes, you know, he, and they live down there. So, you know, he went and had and enjoyed his uh, New Year's Eve with Britt. And they had the big, you know, party there, as they do quite a bit, the AEW uh, locker room does, you know, at the uh, at the hotel they stay at. And, yeah, he uh, I want to say, you know, that was right after, of course, you know, Brody passed the day after Christmas, I think. Yeah. And this was New Year's Eve. So just a few days before. And I mean, it's, what a testament to that family, how they just they just press on, you know, four days after dad passed, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to be around the boys because it's what's normal to me. So that's what he did. You know, little Brody was around the boys and he was feeling better. And, you know, and Adam, Adam's one of those guys I've been around Adam quite a, quite a bit too. He's, he's a good dude. He, you know, that doesn't get said a whole lot, you know, but Adam, Adam Cole is a good, good dude. And, uh, I'm sure that was, I'm sure he was happy to have that video where he where little Brody is he's putting little Brody over basically and then that video went viral went mainstream and I'm sure I'm sure Adam Cole was was happy about that and I'm sure you know big Brody would have been happy about that too.
4: We first saw you at NEW Wrestling in North Carolina in June 2019, which we attended to see Franco Vargo wrestle Ethan Page. It looked like Bo Crockett and Jay Collister had stolen your tag team belts as we only got to see that one event. Can you tell us how that story got to to that point and how it developed? Sure. Uh,
1: (laughs) Wow. How do you guys remember this stuff? Okay. um, So, uh... So Jake and Bo. So when I, when I first got to NEW, I was simply an enhancement talent. That's how I make my debut usually everywhere I go. I'm just a good hand. So I just go there and, and put people over and, and enjoy my time. And um, it wasn't long before uh, Dewan and I started teaming and became, you know, BFFs, good friends. And um, Bo and Jake being the, the, the snakes in the grass, you know, the real nasty heels, we beat them a couple of times. Uh, one of the times that we beat them, uh, that we ended up worse for the wear, I believe, after the match and they ran off with our belts and, uh, the very next show, I believe we, we beat them and, or I, one of us beat the other one and we got our belts back. And then I, uh, Sorry, but I turned on Dewan and beat him into the ground and, (gasps) and, and, uh, Bo and and Jake stole the victory and stole and, and legitimately won the tag belts and, and, uh, and, you know, walked off into the sunset. And then I, you know, I showed my true self, I guess, and became a bad guy. And, uh, and Dewan and I never had our blow off match. He is a coward and he ran away from me. And <laughs> he, uh, he actually got called to duty something I understand. dewan's in the Navy and he got, uh, called into action to go overseas. And he did about a six month tour overseas while I was wreaking havoc on NEW, winning the NEW heavyweight championship from Franco Varga and all that good stuff. And I'm still waiting to get my hands on dewan O'Neill. Whenever he comes back, you know, to any W or wherever he comes back to, I'm going to, I'll be there and I'm going to, you know, finish him off. (laughs)
0: <laughs> see, that was interesting earlier, and I kind of saved this because you said that um, you like being the bad guy. And I, I was do. thinking, when we saw you at NEW, you were actually the good guy in that I match. was. Both Crockett and uh, Jake Hollister were the heels for that one. And interestingly, when we went to see that match as well, we'd only ever seen Franco as um, a heel. He was a big heel at uh, Infinite Pro Wrestling, I want to say. And then when he came out and everyone was cheering for him, whoa you yeah so we're like what the heck i was like oh i guess e- we assumed that ethan page was going to be the face for this one ethan's a great heel but I- yes. for some reason i assumed that he was going to be the face for that one that franco was going to be the heel and i assumed that there'll be some cheating there'd be like a low blow so franco can win and all because obviously we knew he wasn't going to lose his title
3: you're not sure. going to give
0: it to ethan page and he'd take it up to canada so exactly. no i thought that was kind of interesting that the expectation of one thing And then getting totally another thing. Now, the first time we actually heard your name was, we actually talked to the one the night before. We were actually at the uh, Orange County Fair. I can't remember the organization. I want to say UEW? UCW? Something like that. that.
1: UEW, yes.
0: Yeah. And um, my five year old at the time, like, he was like, okay, we got to go. It's kind of late. And he's like, I want to go say hi to Dewan. I was like, we're going to see him tomorrow. You oh, realize?
1: everyone that? loves Dewan. Okay. Oh,
0: absolutely. So, of course, there's all <laughs> people around him wanting to talk with him. So we kind of waited our turn. And then we got we came up and he talked to him. And yeah, he mentioned the fact he said, I'm tagging with Dustin tomorrow. Do you know who Dustin is? And I said, No, I don't at this point. So that was the first time we'd actually heard your name mentioned. But yes, I didn't know that about Duane. I didn't know he was in the Navy actually. That was yeah. really interesting.
1: Huh. Oh uh, yeah. That's one of the it's one that's probably the only thing I like about him. <laughs> <laughs> he serves he serves our country proudly in the United States Navy and he uh we, we had the big beatdown. He did not know he was going to get called away uh, to serve. Yeah. And then we, we had the big showdown where I, I beat him down after the match, after uh, Bo and Jake won, I think. And they ran off with the belts. And, I, you know, he helped me up, I think. And I, you know, gave him a nice low blow and, and put a pile driver on him and, and left him laying. Uh, we had the – we, you know, we were going to have a big blow-off match or a couple of blow-off matches, and it never came to fruition because I want to say the next week he got called away. So um, – <laughs> We're going to get that match eventually. Him and I are going to have that match. I promise I, you that.
0: I am hoping we've had our vaccines, and I'm hoping we can travel down to North Carolina. It's been a long time since we've seen indie wrestling. It's been way too long. they would like to see some more. Yeah, way too long. All right, let's get to the final questions. We've got a mix of wrestling questions and um, our random questions that we like to ask everybody as well. Take sure. it away, Mason.
4: If you have any, what are your finishing moves?
0: Oh gosh.
1: So I get asked this question a lot. Now, a long time ago, here's a, here's a lesson for you a long time ago in a locker room far, far away. Um, <laughs> I was in a match with Christian York. Are you guys familiar with Christian York?
0: I am not. No? Or if okay. seemed, I don't re- I can't bring his face to mind.
1: You're certainly familiar with Joey Mercury, Joey Matthews. Yes. Okay. So Mark and York were tag partners forever. Uh, they got signed to ECW. They got signed to WCW, uh, at one point in time, York was signed with TNA. Joey Mercury, of course, was one of the WWE tag champions for a while, and then he became one of the—I think he was one of Seth Rollins' stooges and all that kind of stuff. So I'm from that old school of York and Mercury, or York and Matthews at the time, where uh, I came up with again them and the Briscoes and all that at MCW. That's you know that's where I started. I want to say the match, the first match I announced, Christian York and Joey Matthews were involved in it in 1995. So they've known me for a long time. Uh, so I was in a match with Christian York. It was a multi-man match and York was going over. And again, this was an indie show. And I learned a very valuable lesson from Christian York, uh, that night, somebody was like, what's your finish? And York goes finish. We don't have TV here. Why would I need to finish? And I'm like, yeah, why would we, why, why do we have to, it was his first time there. It was my first time. Why do we need to establish a finish? Because who knows if we were going to come back? Why not just do, because uh, he was the bad guy, why not just do a nasty roll-up with the tights or something like that? Why do you have to have a finish like that? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. If I'm a bad guy and I'm just basically traveling all over as the bad guy, look, Ric Flair's finish is the figure four, right? Mm-hmm. How many matches have you seen him win with the figure four?
0: Oh gosh, I don't know.
1: I would say mostly it's Ric Flair giving somebody a low blow and rolling them up with the tights or something like that. He's the dirtiest player in the game.
0: Certainly a poke in the eye as well. Yeah, thumb to the sure. eye. I certainly see. I'm thinking more thumb to the eyes. I would say, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So Christian York had that same mindset where it's like, if I'm traveling all over, you know, and and winning matches and I'm the bad guy, I don't want to establish a cool finish. I want you to hate me. I want to just barely eke out a win so that you want to see me come back and you want to see the good guy kick my butt. It was a he and it was just he threw it off as a as a you know, a statement in the wind. And I'm I just took it and I'm like, "He's absolutely right. Why would I need some kind of cool finish that they're going to cheer? I'm the bad guy." So, yeah. as a bad guy, which is who I love to be, I don't really have a finish. If somebody asked me to beat them with a big impact move, it's the package pile driver, which I've used for years and years and years. Uh, but the majority of the time if they leave it up to me, I want that crowd to want me to come back so that that babyface, that good guy can beat me up. So I want to just roll him up and grab the tights or I want to use the ropes to beat him or I you know, I want some kind of cheap way out so that you want to see that good guy beat me up later on. So as far as signature moves and stuff like that, I love roll-ups. and so I love fancy roll-ups where I can hook the tights or, or whatever. Uh, um, I mean, I remember I won somebody's heavyweight title one time for the first time ever with, uh, there was a wrestler a long time, Dos Caras, uh, Alberto Del Rio's father, actually. Okay. Um, he used the Dos Caros, uh, clutch, which was, of it's a very cool cradle. Uh, you could probably YouTube it right now. I won a championship with that one time. I, just, because it was a cool roll-up finish. I don't need an impactful finish to beat you. I'm not, you know, I'm not six foot five and almost 300 pounds. I'm a, I'm a small guy. I'm a, I'm five foot nine and 230 pounds. So I'm, I don't need some kind of crazy impactful finish. I can come off the top rope, but I shouldn't need to. You know, so so I I love I've used the frog splash from time to time as a good guy, um, but as a bad guy, which is what I mostly am, it's just a quick roll up
0: now that's a question that mason added this time to the end we don't we, that's the first time you've actually asked that and that actually got me thinking while you were talking there is that easier than to do as a tag team rather than a singles because i'm thinking the number of matches i can think of when you have the tag team partner the tag team partner distracts the ref and then suddenly they could be a lobe is that something easier that's to establish as um as the heel character as a Oh, is it easier to kind of put together to get to that finish, I guess is what I'm saying, as a tag team rather than a singles wrestler?
1: Of course, of course. And I, and you, I love your, your mindset there. That tag partner is a, is a tool to use. You know, it's, it's a, he's a, he can be a prop. My, my brother, he would hate me saying this, but he can be a prop for me. <laughs> so the Tar Dynasty, you know, myself and my brother, we're props for each other. So, you know, if it's my time to get the pin over somebody... Chris, my brother, is a prop to help me distract and get that pin. No different than if we're the good guys. It's the same. I could be a distraction for the heels so that Chris can get the win, the babyface can get the win. And we do have tag team finishes and stuff like that and fancy stuff that if we need to bust out, we do. But again, I'd rather at an indie show have a competitive match where you guys want to see us come back again and have another competitive match you know i don't want to give you the same thing every time i want to mix it up and give you some wild you know some some like cool roll-ups and some fun you know just some fun stuff where you're like i want to see them have another competitive match with those guys but yeah you're absolutely right tag team wrestling it's easier there are more moving parts it can be more complicated because there are more moving parts but I look at it like it's easier because there are more moving parts where I can distract you and we can play a little, you know, um, it can be a magic act. It can be a nice little magic act where I distract you with this, you know, I show you this hand and actually hit you with the other hand, that kind of thing.
4: Have you ever had any injuries that made you take time off wrestling?
1: Yes. A uh, terrible one, actually, that happened at the dojo. One guy got kind of weaseled his way in, and this is not the fault of anybody's. He his way and he was untrained and he, you know, I mean, he sent in a highlight video basically that showed that he was this great athlete who could do all this cool stuff and he, uh, he couldn't even properly do a hip toss and he came in and he gave me a bad throw and I landed full load on my shoulder and my shoulder exploded. Uh, rotator cuff, labrum, clavicle, everything just exploded and I jumped up. And gave that kid a receipt that he probably still feels. And this was, this was uh, 10 years ago now. Uh, So I jumped up and gave him a drop kick that he probably still feels today. And, um, and then I rolled out of the ring and looked at the trainer and I was like, I think he, I think my shoulder exploded. And he goes, "I, I think it did too. Let's take it to get looked at. And sure enough, he was right. Everything in the shoulder was, had exploded. I pumped it full of cortisone for months and months and months, which is, uh, Mason, that's a bad thing to do. If you ever have an injury, don't pump it full of cortisone because that is a Band-Aid that will eventually fall off. So for, like, I want to say almost a year, I pumped it full of cortisone and kept on wrestling. And then finally I had to give in. I had to tap out and have the surgery. And I I probably wasn't right for a solid year. Um, Just the rehab that it takes to to rebuild a shoulder and – I had never experienced anything like that. And, you know, it's, it feels good today, luckily, but I had to take quite a bit of time off and I hated it. And I was, I'm still, gosh, I think about it today and I still get angry at that kid who weaseled his way into the dojo and, um, and that was it. But, but yeah, you would think everybody who made his way in there knew what they were doing, but that kid did not. Uh, backyarder at most, never heard from him again. After after that dojo, you know, he left and we never heard his name again. Uh, But yeah, terrible, terrible injury. The only one I've ever had like that. Uh uh, and uh yeah, I'm still mad about it. (laughs) I still (laughs) because I lost that was in my prime. I lost a Uh, year, I lost a year of my wrestling career in my prime um when I had I had just been to Impact. I had just been to Impact Wrestling, had a week's worth of television there. And then the next time I was in the ring, my shoulder exploded because a kid didn't know how to give a hip toss properly. So yeah.
4: Well, that answered another one of my questions. I didn't know that receipts were real. Cause I saw it in fighting in my fit, fa- fighting with my family. And I didn't know if that was actually real.
1: Oh yeah. Receipts are real. I've given quite a few <laughs> again, you know, it goes with, um, you know, learning how to take care of yourself properly. And, uh, I came up, uh, with some hardcore school, with some hardcore hard cool, hard training with some old school guys. You know, from right from the beginning, King Kong Bundy is old school. The Briscoes are old school. The Briscoes were trained by Gypsy Joe. And Gypsy Joe is one of the toughest, crazy old men you'll ever know in wrestling. Um, and then Shannon and Shane Helms and the Hardys, again, they were on TV at the time. They were old school. And then Taz doesn't get much more old school than Taz. You know, Taz is an old judo player. You know, he is the if anyone can take care of themselves, Taz can. So I came up with a lot of different schools that took care that you know you had to be a tough guy and you had not to take care of yourself in there. And again, my background as a as an amateur wrestler, as someone who's in the Marine Corps, um, I'm not gonna let anyone get over on me like that. So receipts are very real. The the wrestling business as a whole uh has gotten more user-friendly, I should say. But it still happens. I we still you still see it on TV all the time. Like we'll be we'll be watching wrestling and somebody will take a stiff shot and I'll be like, oh receipt is coming and sure enough a receipt will be on the way very shortly especially if it's an old school guy in there who I know was trained properly, you know because mm-hmm. you don't want
4: anybody to take advantage of you in there. If you could wrestle against anyone or tag with anyone, who would that wrestler be?
1: Wow, what a great question, Mason. Um. If if I could work any is this did it have to be current or is this <laughs> anyone anyone yeah, in fun. time and space
0: You can do both if you prefer. We leave this very open ended.
1: Doesn't even okay. have to be a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> if I could wrestle anyone I want to wrestle Mason. Scott again. <laughs> whenever you're ready Mason, me and you. If I can wrestle anyone anytime. Okay. Um, <laughs> but seriously, whenever you're ready Mason. Let's see. Um if I could wrestle anyone past, present, future, um, in time and space, let's, let's say retired guys. Um, uh, first and foremost, I would say the, the best ever in my opinion is Shawn Michaels. And early on in my life, I was in the Brett Hart camp. A- after being in the business for a while, I'm, not, I'm no longer in that Bret Hart camp. I'm in that Shawn Michaels camp. I think he's the greatest ever. I'd love to have had the chance to to be in the ring with him and learn from him. Um, so that takes care of retired current active stars in the wrestling business. I'll go on the youth side. MJF is just phenomenal. That guy is so far beyond his years. I mean, I think he's 24 He's 24 years old, or something like something crazy like that. And how is anyone that good at 24 years old? He is amazing from his delivery to his timing to his uh, his ability to make things look crisp and powerful and real. And then at the same time, he can do the entertaining. So he can do that. You know, he can do the shtick. He can go out there with Chris Jericho and do a musical number and it's still entertaining and fun and he's just that guy can do it all i i uh, he never ceases to amaze me he's the if i'm doing anything else in the house and AEW is on the tv if his music hits i stop and i watch and he's that guy right now in the wrestling business that you have to stop and watch because that is greatness at work right there he's outstanding beyond his years
0: you want to tell dustin your encounter with mjf
1: you had an encounter with MJF. Oh my god!
0: About two and a half years ago, I think it was, an, an indie event. We at this point, he was just starting to get some buzz as a twenty twenty one year old, yep. and we knew the card. And I said, the person we're going to talk to is MJF. I yep. didn't really know anything about him at that time, but I'd heard the buzz around him, and I was like, that's the person we're going to go chat to. All right, Mason, go ahead.
4: So I think we were the first people to come up to him at his merch table, and he was, he was yelling all over the place. And he was yelling, (laughs) the first person to approach him to get something was a British person.
0: Yep. (laughs) Yep. He's like, yep. even the Brit knows you come and talk to MJF. Oh, he's got some good money. His money is good for me. He's shouting at everybody. You could not be not drawn to him. Like, he commanded that attention straight away. It it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. He's always on. Always on.
4: And during the picture, uh, I was standing in front of me, and he was just glaring at me in the picture.
0: His autograph is, uh, um, I'm better than you, Mason, and you know it, or something like that. You know it. He's holding, (laughs) like, normally you go for the picture, and they're all smiles and whatever, they got their arm around you. He is stood there, and he is glaring at Mason. I am killing myself, because I can see the picture. Mason has no idea at all. (laughs) it's absolutely perfect it was one of the best pictures we've ever taken and then you hear stories like i think it was at starcade where some people got half price pictures and he demanded the list who got half price there i'm only appearing in half of the picture and it's like that is brilliant i would love if i only got half a picture i would love it because that's an even better story than getting that's a better picture. story
1: absolutely who, thi- who uh, thinks about that yeah. kind of stuff nowadays
0: of course it, it, it reminded me of that thing with pork chop. Like the, the left handed autograph for me was perfect because it had yeah, a story yeah. that connected it with it. And same with that. Hey, I paid this money for a picture with MJF, and I only got half of him in the picture because I got It, it is brilliant. Yeah, we're it big. It is really.
1: And I'll tell you who he reminds me of. And I, I you know, some people may take this as a slight, but you know, a lot of people sleep on the Miz. Mike Mizanin is that guy who should never have made it, and he did. To, to, the, to the dismay of a lot of people, but to his eternal credit, he is one of those guys who is always on. He knows who The Miz is, and The Miz is always on, and he is box office because of it. And because he's always on, the WWE knows that they can count on him to go and do any appearance anywhere, no matter what, and this guy is going to be The Miz, and he's going to be 100%. I don't care if he's done. I've seen him do probably... 50 some interviews in a day and that 50th interview gets the same kind of attention as that first interview. He's always on. And MJF is just like that. He is that guy that you can build a promotion around. He's that guy you can give a television show to. I mean, Ms. has, what is the show with Maurice? Uh, Ms. and Mrs. Mrs. Hey, Eventually 10 years, 15 years down the road, you could see MJF doing that because he's such a character. He's so on and you want to know more about that guy. But at the same time, you're kind of afraid to know more about that guy. Like he's, he breaks that fourth wall where it's like, I'm not sure where MJF ends and the real person begins. And the ability to do that in 2021 is amazing because you guys as fans, have so much access to us. I mean, look at this. Like, you know, how many of these interviews have you guys done? And I'm sure guys are falling all over themselves really to do these interviews because it's our way to get ourselves out there nowadays. I have, I love doing this kind of stuff. I love doing press. I love doing radio because it's a great way to get ourselves out there. But by the same token, you guys get to know the, the real person. So you know where... The bad guy Dustin Tar ends and the real dude Dustin Tar begins, right? You certainly do now. Mm-hmm. Well, with MJF, you don't know that, <laughs> and you probably never will, and that is fantastic. That
0: is money right there. That guy's box office.
1: Yeah.
0: Go on. I know you want. I, I was thinking. Come on, Mason, pick up on my thoughts. I know you want to say this. Go on.
4: On YouTube, there's this documentary on MJF by Kenny Johnson, and even then, he doesn't show the real MJF. No. Have you seen it?
1: I have not, but that doesn't surprise me because he never will. Because when, here's the thing, and this is coming from a businessman. If you learn the real MJF, he becomes less valuable. Yeah. If, if you guys see every part of his life and it's like, because look, Ms. and Mrs., that's Ms. and Maurice still being those characters that you see on TV. So they don't lose the value. They don't lose any value there. Um, I would say when Hulk Hogan did the Hulk Hogan uh, reality show, he probably lost a lot of value because you got to see some some pieces of Hulk Hogan that you probably didn't need to see. That He loses a lot of that luster. you know. MJF would never do something like that. He would probably end up on a show like Ms. and Mrs. because, again, that's those characters in a reality TV setting. That's no different than what you see on SmackDown or Raw. I would say... You will never see the real Maxwell Jacob Freeman or anything like that. You will never see that real person because he knows, he's smart enough to know, if you see that real dude, he loses value to AEW or whoever he's with. So kudos to him because that is almost impossible to do in 2021 as an
0: indie guy. And as he was 21, I think, when that was made, I loved it. I watched it and I said, you need to watch this. And then you watched it and you were like, was that real? Like, which part... I love right. The it could keep that. It could keep that. Yeah. Disbelief. The
1: suspension of disbelief. Yeah. He's able to keep that suspension of disbelief where you don't know. You just don't know. It's brilliant. He's a brilliant guy.
4: What was your favorite match of your career?
1: Any time that I have been in the ring with my two brothers. I, I know we didn't talk about Aiden Chambers much, but uh, so Chris Tar is my real brother. Aiden Chambers is my adopted brother. Anytime time I've ever been in the ring with either of those guys, it's been magic. It's been so much fun. No matter what's going on, and Aiden and I, Chris and I, not so much. But Aiden and I have had our times where we wanted to kill each other because we were married on the road for ten years. We were, we were, we rode together, we roomed together, we lived together. It was nonstop in each other's faces on the road for for forever. And gosh, there were times where we wanted to pull each other's throats out. But, but when We got in the ring when the bell rang, all that went away, and we were the characters and we were able to have a good time. And it was magic whether we were tagging or working against each other. You know, there were several times where Aiden Chambers and I got jobs based on our work with each other, working against each other. So it was always magic. He was always so easy to work with, he's always so much fun. Uh, and I hope that he comes back and re- he's, he's been retired now. We, we got him to come out of retirement one time in 2019, early 2019 and that was it he hasn't he's only wrestled that one time in like five years but uh, i hope he comes back at some points because he is he's our Shawn michaels he's magic when he gets out there and it's just effortless for him um but anytime i'm in the ring with aiden it's it's magic anytime i'm in the ring with chris as a tag partner um we haven't had a chance to wrestle against each other as much on shows but as a tag partner Against effortless on this. It's so much fun. Uh, so anytime I've ever been with them, my favorite match one-on-one that I've ever had in my entire life would probably be against Bobby Shields at, at impact on St. Patty's day in 2011. Yeah. If you guys can dig up that match, good luck. But if you guys could dig up that match myself and Bobby Shields, impact television taping 2011 saint patty's day i think it was there's your there's your task mason do some deep diving some digging because i can't find it bobby shields can't find it oh it's a phenomenal match it was one of the best matches of my career it almost got its jobs um and we just had a great time and it was in front of a huge crowd we got paid a good amount of money and it was it was fun so so yeah um That's my favorite match just based on it was on a big stage. I put it, I left it all in the ring. He left it on the ring. I got my hand raised at impact um, and no one can find that tape anywhere.
0: We got Impact Plus. Uh, we got a large catalog. We, we hey, there see you it. go. We'll you see can, what find. We can find out. There's another character who really is different. When we first saw Bobby Shields at Nova Pro, he was the big heel, always. It was always yeah. the cheat in every single. And then we go up to MCW, and it's Robbie, and it's Bobby. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. God. I didn't even recognize that it was no. Bobby Shields to begin with. I was like, oh, that's. It was only later when I saw I was like, oh my gosh. So Huge turnaround.
1: I've known Bobby for. I want to say 15 years and I've always known him as Bobby the body. He's always been the almost like ravishing Rick rude where it's, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance. It's a lot of poses. It's, and and Bobby is an amazing talent. Bobby can do almost anything out there, yeah. but he really knew from very early on. And, and he's a student of Brody Lee. I know you guys probably don't know that, but Bobby Shields oh, I- is actually, yeah. So he, he and Brody Lee, go way back and Brody actually imparted quite a bit of wisdom on him. Bobby is one of the guys when Brody passed away that I checked on because I knew how much Brody meant to him and, uh, and I was hurting for Bobby, you know, because, and Bobby was hurting. If you, if you went back and look at Bobby's tweets, when, when Brody passed, oh man, he was, he was hurting bad. He was suffering. Mm So he's one of the best talents I've ever known. And Brody has a lot to do with that. And so I always knew him as Bobby, the body. Then he goes to MCW and, and it's a funny story, how it comes to pass. He, they did a birthday party show at MCW and they just tried that gimmick. Him and him and Robbie. Uh, it's like, how about if we went out there and we just yell our names, Bobby! Robbie. <laughs> they went out there and those kids lost it over them. And immediately The guys at MCW, I think RJ was one of them, was like, we're putting you on the show as Bobby and Robbie. (laughs) And they changed their music. They changed their appearance. And suddenly they were huge baby faces, Bobby and Robbie. And it's money. It's every time I've seen him work as Bobby, it's been money. And he's been the most favorite. Listen, I did a show in my hometown a couple of years ago, and we had Bobby and Robbie on the show. And I was not the star of that show. (laughs) Bobby and Robbie were, I go back and people are like, Hey man, when are you guys doing another show? We'd love to see Bobby and Robbie again. I'm like, Oh, thanks a lot guys. Those guys are money. I love them. They are great talents. Yeah.
4: Do you have any strange foods or food combinations you like to eat?
1: Hmm. Wow. Mason, you really have great questions, dude. Okay. Um, So uh, one thing about wrestlers, when they start, when we start taking care of our bodies and I didn't, I, I made the mistake of not taking care of my body really well until like 2009, just because I, you know, when I first broke in, I was 14 years old and it was just like, all right, let's party and fight and have a good time. And 2009, when I was, I was 28 years old, I started having, you know, those aches and pains that comes with getting older. And, uh, I realized I need to start taking care of my body. And again, when I went and trained with Shannon and Matt and, and Jeff and Shane, they're all on TV and they're like, you need to take care of your body, man. So I started learning how to, to count macros and to, to do, you know, protein and, and cut out lots of fats and carbs and sugars that you don't need and all that kind of stuff. And, and really, honestly, my palate is pretty plain. I love hot sauces. Um, and and so i'll try just about any kind of hot sauce on on like chicken wings um like the hotter the better i want to try it even if it tastes like an ashtray like i want to try it i want to try it just so i can say i tried it um i love that i don't know if you guys watch the youtube show hot ones with the wings and the guy that uh, asks the questions and they eat the, the hot wings okay Phenomenal show. Love, love the show. Um, and I subscribe to the hot ones and whatnot, and so I get those hot sauces. A lot of my friends do as well. And then whenever new hot sauces come out each month, we'll compare and be like, oh, have you tried this one? Oh, have you tried that one? And then we'll have nights where we, we go to each other's houses and we eat wings and we talk just like this, just like we're talking right now, and, uh, and we try all the different sauces. Other than that, I don't think I have any crazy food combinations. I love... Is this a thing, Mason, like when I was a kid, I would eat a sandwich like, you know, like let's say turkey and cheese. And I would put potato chips or Doritos on top of the sandwich and then crush (laughs) it in and like eat it because of the crunch. Like I like the crunch and the nacho cheese. That's a thing. Yes. Okay. so (laughs) I still do that at 39 years old. Is that weird?
0: (laughs) I was as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, I still do that. Yeah,
1: that's hey, we can admit as grown men, we can admit that, right? We still crunch up Absolutely. chips on our sandwiches
0: absolutely now i made a prediction i typed something in here for mason when you said that and the reason this question started about is because of the savage gentleman and we know now that a lot of wrestlers have peanut butter because of the high protein and all the things and they mix it he has he has peanut butter with eggs that's where the question started from and as soon as you started talking about this i typed in i typed on my uh, word document here he's gonna say peanut butter and then you totally avoided it i was like okay i'm way off the mark then I do.
1: I do eat peanut butter with a lot of things. My protein, my go-to protein shake is two scoops of like chocolate or vanilla protein, uh, a scoop of peanut butter, uh, a banana, some ice, some milk, blend that up. And it always makes a really great protein shake. So I do use a lot of peanut butter, peanut butter and eggs though. Good Lord. I could not imagine
0: (laughs) peanut butter and eggs is hardcore. That is hardcore. Trying to remember, it got carried away. We got challenged because we did it's the peanut butter egg challenge. We did that. And then another wrestler challenged us to something else. It was, I think it was peanut butter, eggs. Hot sauce and old bay, is that right? Yes, and actually, it (laughs) wasn't. And actually, yeah, he just said, and actually, it wasn't that bad. Actually, really, eggs, I was not a big fan of at all. I think the hot sauce might just take some. And you just said you like hot sauce, I think that might add to it. But the old bay as well, I was like, that's going to be disgusting. But we did it just for the kicks, and it was. I've
1: got now, I've got to try it.
0: Never had it again since, but it was pretty good.
1: <laughs> no, that's not something you'd eat every day at breakfast or anything No,
0: <laughs> we would, never would have thought that. If we hadn't been challenged, there's no way we would have had that on our plate on a regular. I,
4: my favorite hot sauce is that sweet hot sauce you got the other day.
0: I don't remember what that was called. Yeah, I picked it up at Food Lion. Um, it's like a short name. It's like two letters and two letters. Uh, yeah, that was really good. Something I Something
4: like Julu or something like something that.
0: Something like that, yeah. I got to look up that one again. I can't remember what it was called.
4: Am I- As a
1: rule. I would say as a rule, um, any hot sauce that has like some citrus in it, like a mango habanero or something like that is fantastic. I would recommend any hot sauce where you'll see like mango or orange or anything like that kind of twisted in there. Like any kind of citrus twist to a hot sauce. I don't know what, like the citrus takes away some of the heat and brings out more flavor or what, but that works for me. So mango habanero is my favorite.
0: Now, we often get our six-year-old to ask a question as well. We'll say, hey, we're interviewing such-and-such today. Do you have a question for them? And normally it's something pretty random. Now, I'm going to channel my six-year-old because I know he would want to know this because he's obsessed with this. What's the highest Scoville rating that you've had for a hot sauce? He loves that heat thing. Like he knows those hottest peppers that you can have.
1: I want to say – so I've done my share of scorpion peppers – Ghost peppers, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're in the several millions, right? I want to say they're in the five or ten million Scoville. That's probably as hot as I've gone. And I, again, I um, I have a pretty high threshold for that kind of stuff. So, like, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm you know sitting here with my my business partner Les, and we're we're um doing. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'm I just called him up and I'm like, "What's your hottest you know sauce that you have?" And it's scorpion. like scorpion rum or something like that and we had five of them sent here and i did a couple without any and he's he's going nuts like how are you eating this and not dying and it's just you develop a palate for it and you you know and that's so yeah i want to say like five or ten million something like that in that scopo
4: rating
0: he'll be very impressed with that
4: yeah Um, oh, yeah, that was uh, my my weird food combination is at Taco Bell when I got, um. you know, those cinnamon twists yeah. that you can get at Taco Bell. I dipped those in the nacho cheese.
1: Is that any good?
0: No. Any
4: it, yes it is. That no. cannot be good. Cinnamon and cheese? I thought it was good.
0: You know what? You might have actually discovered that at, on the way to NEW, possibly.
4: Oh was, oh, was
0: that VCW? Oh, VCW. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> All right, let's keep going.
4: Who is your favorite teacher in school?
1: Okay um, so I have a couple that you know I'm actually still friends with. Uh, my teacher, my history teacher and I'm not even a big fan of history. but my history teacher Tim Yonker growing up, uh, he became one of my very good friends. We uh, after I graduated we and he was one of the younger teachers and you know he's like in his early 30s while he's teaching me. So when I got out of school, we would travel and go to college football games and, and we hit up, you know, many major league baseball games and he's a big sports fan. Uh, not one of my coaches, uh, oddly enough, but Mm. he's a big sports fan. And so, uh, him and I, you know, went out to many, many major league baseball games and many college football games. I stayed at his parents' house a couple of times, um, to go to, um, West Virginia football games, Um, but yeah, great dude. We're still in touch. He's, you know, so Tim Younger, my history teacher, uh, through high school, still one of my, my very favorite people in the world.
4: What advice would you give to a young wrestler?
1: Okay. Uh, so find a school where not only do they have like a, a reputation about them, but it's with somebody who's been on television, somebody who has made money in the wrestling business. Because there are schools everywhere, right? There, there are wrestling schools, especially in the Carolinas. There are wrestling schools everywhere where the guy will just, you know, take your sixty or seventy bucks a, a week or a month or whatever, and let you bump around in the ring and kind of train yourself, right? That guy has never been on television. He's never made money in the wrestling business. He's just keeping his lights on every month, right? You want to find a school where and I, I take pride in the fact that I always tried to do this. I I, I read uh, a book early on in my career and honestly, I can't even remember whose book it was because I've read so many wrestling books. Um, but it, the guy was like, you know, one of the things I did that benefited me was to go and train with guys who had made money in the business. As far as being on television, working with the WWE, they knew what people were looking for. And a lot of times, like I went to Impact, when I went to Impact, Elijah Burke. You guys know Elijah Burke?
3: Yeah, yeah. Remember
1: Elijah Burke? So we're sitting there trying to work out a match. And Elijah happened to be sitting right next to me while we're working out this match. And, I, you know, it's like, what are they looking for? And Elijah was like, hey, man, they don't even know what they're looking for till they see it. So you might as well go out there and throw your best stuff at them and stuff that you do better than Joe Blow does. Anybody, you know, throw your best stuff at them. You know, hopefully they'll see something that jumps out at them and and you get picked up, but they don't even know what they're looking for until they see it. And he told me that night, he's like, this isn't like up north, you know, in the WWE, they have a certain way of doing things. If you don't do it their way, it's, you know, they show you the door and that's that, especially back then. This was 10 years ago this was before NXT and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, But then impact, he's like, you know, we're a lot more loose here, a lot more free, go out there and do your thing. You know, and luckily I had some good agents. D Brown worked with me that night and worked on what I should do and how I should present myself and all that. And of course, Taz was right there by my side the whole time. The guy, again, he's still a mentor. I love the guy to death. Um, but yeah. So find a good school with people who know what they're doing take care of your body uh, if there's a, another mistake that I made it was not taking care of my body going to the gym working out before I did I should have as soon as I committed to wrestling I should have been in the weight room every other day you know making sure I, that my body was taken care of that I looked the part because for several years I didn't look the part and that's why I never got a second look from a lot of people um, the most important thing in wrestling I think is is knowing who you are as a wrestler so, Learning who you are. Who is Dustin Tar? That was the question I asked myself for years and years and years and years. Because if you can't convey to the people who you are out there, they're not going to care. They're not going to care about you. Why would I care about you if you can't even tell me who you are as a person, as a wrestler, as an entertainer? So yeah, and a and a good trainer will teach you all that. So it starts at ground zero, finding the right school for you. And luckily, there's a lot of good ones out there. Like if if. If you decided today, I'm going to wrestling school when I turn 18, you could research several out there right now. I don't know if Lance Storm is still running, but Lance Storm School, the Dudley School in Florida, um, you know, like uh, I want to say Seth Rollins and his best friend have a school in the, in the Midwest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys who have that freedom to have schools right now. And, uh, and again, the Nightmare Factory in Georgia, you know, where they're training guys to be on AEW every week right now, you know. And right now, QT – uh, you know, runs that school. And, and that's, I mean, it's the nightmare factory. So guys come out of there and they're on TV in the nightmare family. So, you know, um, I think Anna J trained there. So Anna J has only been in the business for a couple of years and she's on TV every week right now with the dark order. So, and she just went to the nightmare factory, you know? Um, so finding a good school like that with guys who can get you ready for TV and they know what they're doing. That's gosh, that's so important. And putting all those tools in your tool belt. And so that No matter where you go, no matter what they're looking for, you can give them what they're looking for. If they say, you know, I need a guy to do X, Y, and Z, you can do X, Y, and Z for them.
4: Where can we find you on social media?
1: Uh, Social media, uh, on on Twitter, it's real easy. It's Tar Tweets, T-A-R-R-T-W-E-E-T-S, Tar Tweets on Twitter. Uh, On Instagram, it's Tar Pics uh t-a-r-r-p-i-x i think it is maybe <laughs> it's instagram it's tarpix and then uh you know facebook is me dustin tar thank you
4: for being on we hope to see you in the squared circles soon oh man i hope to
1: be there soon thank you guys so much
4: it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye to me
0: and it's goodbye from them goodbye,
4: goodbye. Zigzags, zigzag, by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under
1: Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. HTTP colon slash slash
4: creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0 slash.
1: So, I've been doing this a long time. I've done a lot of podcasts in my day. I don't believe I've ever done one with a young man whose butt I want to kick more. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mason, when you're ready, when you go and get trained, and I hope you go to a good school, I hope you go somewhere where they teach you, number one, how to respect your elders. Number two, how to take a finish and a three count, because I'm going to put you down with whatever finish you want me to. And you're going to be looking at the lights and you're going to hear the referee count to three. So, Mason, when you're ready, I hope your dad's there to see it. I hope he can Skype it to everyone you know. And I hope he can put the results on the MGB podcast. Because Dustin Tarr is taking Mason down. The day you turn 18, how about that? You can, Dad can sign on the line at 16. You can go and get trained. And the day you turn 18, I'm going to make sure you get the butt whooping you have deserved since you were 13. I'm going to, pro- I promise you, Dad, I will make sure, I will make sure that he never disobeys you again, that he keeps his room clean, that your house is spotless, that he makes you dinner every night. Mason, you're going down when you turn 18, buddy.